folks. Welcome back to Indabahat, and this is Chris once again. Hey, folks, welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. It's time for Indaba Africa News of the Day today, Monday, June 21st, 2021. Well, sorry, Charlie, but it's just quartz. It's not diamonds. After 3,000 people flocked to KwaZulu-Natal, destroying the landscape, tearing up the surface, forever altering the physical nature of the land, and what one can only wonder it has to be a criminal activity. Who owned the land? That hasn't even been raised by any journalist. I am curious about that. Sorry, Charlie. No diamonds here, just quartz. It was my expectation. It did not look like rough diamonds. It looked like quartz. Turns out that it's just quartz. South Africa is considering sticking its paws into regulating, i.e. taxing, the cryptocurrency markets. The economic freedom fighters have rejected the ANC's expropriation concession. The ANC has offered a concession to the EFF and they've rejected it. Juju desperately searches for relevance, breaking Um Cyril Ramaphosa's lockdown rules with a protest at the Eitzig High School that violates lockdown with clearly more than 100 people present. And Juju, Julius Malema, is now saying we should ignore everything the president has to say, calling for people to disobey the lockdown. No political party's been doing this. Now the EFF is stepping forward, its leader, and calling for people to disobey the government for a June 25th march, demanding that South Africa license the Russian Sputnik vaccine. Stuart Teobald from Business Day says that it's the best we could all hope for, the best deal possible, this giveaway of South African airways. Well, <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a moment. Vintok, the capital of Namibia, is soliciting bids for 25 megawatt photovoltaic solar projects, number of projects. They have till August for the uh, bids to be submitted. And this would be interesting because Namibia itself has only 145 megawatts of installed electrical base to begin with. 25 megawatts would be a significant contribution to the grid. Kavango Resources in Botswana has confirmed that the copper zinc deposits in their South Hanzi project are there in 12 kilometers 12 kilometer vein of copper zinc. Good news for Kavango Resources, which owns 50% of the operations in Botswana. Zimbabwe's macroeconomic policies are spooking the markets yet again. Hardly a shocker. Kenya announces more lockdown restrictions. And the Chinese built port at Lamu in Kenya is bringing smiles to the faces of some Kenyans. General Khalifa Haftar's forces from eastern Libya have closed the border, the western border, with Algeria, the mostly desert, sparsely populated, sparsely translated area. <laughs> One has to wonder, how exactly are they closing that border? But they've announced they've closed the border. The World Trade Organization, and I'm not sure if this is a Saturday Night Live feature or if this is Trevor Noah's sick attempt at humor, but the World Trade Organization says that South Africa, Senegal, and Rwanda are being considered for vaccine production hubs. Really? Why didn't they do this 16 months ago? Ethiopia votes today, and there are initial reports in from Ethiopia that are less than encouraging. Sweden's government has collapsed, and Prime Minister Stefan Löfven is out on his ear. As Sweden's Prime Minister is booted in a vote of no confidence, and his government collapses. Tokyo, the Olympics announced that up to 10,000 spectators can be present at the venues. 10,000 Japanese. None of the rest of us are invited to Japan over the hysteria. They won't let us in. Ireland, France, 
and Russia are in, ladies and gentlemen, in case you're curious, for the sevens tournament in Tokyo, which nobody but Japanese will be able to attend. Ireland in the men's category is the final entrant into the sevens tournament for the Olympic Games. On the women's side, France and Russia have qualified at the Repage tournament, all of them playing in Monaco in the south of France. And how good is South African rugby? Well, after the drubbing that the Bulls got at Treviso by a winless team known as Benetton, one has to wonder. All the Europeans are picking the feathers out of their out of their mouth now, considering just how much salivating they'll get to do over crushing South African sides in the future European Rugby Championship competitions coming up. Yeah, yeah, they're looking forward to that if this is the best the Bulls have to offer. Well, in all fairness to the Bulls, they were split in three directions. Some of their top players are already gone for the spring box selection and preparing for the Georgia series and then the British and Irish Lions tour, to be fair. And then the team was split in two with the Curry Cup competition being played the same weekend in South Africa with the team at Loftus getting trounced by Western Province. So the Bulls were very much a disadvantage, not to mention some key injuries like the loss of Dwayne Vermeulen. So they would have lost him to the Springboks anyway. So is this a real reflection of the quality of South African rugby? Let's hope not. But the Europeans are getting kind of cocky and thinking it is. <laughs> and a heartbreaker for South African Louis Oosthuizen, who lost the U.S. Open by a single stroke. Despite a fantastic performance in the U.S. Open, he falls to the Spaniard, who wins the U.S. Open by a single stroke. Better luck next time there, Louis Oosthuizen. Unfortunately, didn't quite make it. Those are the headlines, ladies and gentlemen, from today, the 21st of June, 2021. Well, folks, sorry, Charlie. I'm sorry to disappoint you for all those diamond seekers who saw wealth and fame and fortune in front of their eyes by digging up property that did not belong to them. <laughs> sorry. The diamonds at Kwahlathi are actually quartz, says the government. This article in the Times from Ernest Mabuza. Yes. Stones collected at Kualatha near Ladysmith, where scores of people have been digging for what they believe to be diamonds have turned out to be quartz. Ravi Pillay, the KwaZulu-Natal Economic Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs Minister for the uh, Provincial Parliament, told media briefing on Sunday that tests concluded, conducted conclusively revealed that the stones discovered were not diamonds as some had hoped. It's just quartz. The area had been gripped by excitement by after the discovery of the stones went viral a week ago. This resulted in hordes of people converging on the area to join in the mining activities. Stones that sparked a diamond rush in South Africa are just quartz. Up to 3,000 people flocked to the remote village, but experts say value of the crystals is very low. People from across South Africa traveled to Kwahlathi in eastern KZN, where villagers have been digging with picks and shovels since June 12th after a herder discovered the first stone in an open field and put out the word. <laughs> if, I'd found, if, if I'd found a diamond in an open field <laughs> and I was a herder, my sheep and goats would be eating the grass down to the surface and I wouldn't be telling anybody about those diamonds. I'm sorry. What kind of idiot tells everybody? Look what happens. South African government is looking for another place to stick its grubby paws into stealing from people. And the latest is an effort to regulate cryptocurrency. <laughs> Good luck with that, Pretoria. <laughs> South Africa moves ahead cautiously for proposed regulation of the crypto space. The increasing use of crypto assets, including Bitcoin, has led regulators to take steps towards bringing them under South African regulation, providing investors with protection. They don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. They want to protect you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that's the reason they're doing it. A position paper recently published by the Intergovernmental Fintech Working Group confirms initial steps taken towards regulating the crypto space in 2014 will now be firmed up. 25 recommendations for a phased-in regulatory approach. Yeah, this is another effort by South Africa's government to steal yet more resources from its citizens and people outside the country. 
on the spurious basis that they actually are governing the country. Now they're actually looting the country. Speaking of looting the country, the ANC's idiotic expropriation without compensation amendment for the Constitution, which lacks the two-thirds majority that they need to pass it, but they need the economic freedom fighters, has run into another hurdle. After the ANC bent over backwards and took it from the EFF, the EFF wouldn't accept their concession. ANC shift stance on land custodianship to appease the EFF. In a move to strike a deal with the EFF to amend property clause of the Constitution, the ANC on Friday proposed that state custodianship be applicable to certain land within the context of appropriation. But the EFF immediately rejected the proposal, saying that nothing short of full state custodianship, which would amount to nationalization, would be acceptable. And they remain at odds over compensation with the EFF, feeling that it's perfectly appropriate for the government to steal everything without any compensation for anything. Well, this is just idiotic. And once again, as I said before, should disqualify South Africa from the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act. Forthwith, they should stop getting preferential access to our market when their government proposes to abrogate property rights. That is a hallmark of the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, property rights. Well, searching for relevance, Juju, the inconvenient youth, the buffoon who runs the economic freedom fighters, is just looking for attention. Stuck between irrelevance and a hard place, Malema screams conspiracy calls for violence again, according to Stefan Ritz at the Daily Maverick. The FF leader is politicizing the most important issue of our time, the vaccination drive. There is zero evidence he is doing this for the good of South Africa's people and that he cares in any way for anyone who is not his supporter or follower. He's provided no evidence for any of his claims. Well, of course not, because he has no clue what he's doing. On Wednesday, Malema held a mass rally outside the, Eitz, the Eitzig High School in Centurion in what appeared to be a clear contravention of the COVID-19 regulations announced by President Ramaphosa just the night before. While observers can argue about the number of people there, it's certain that the number was above the limit of 100 allowed at an outdoor gathering. During his speech, Malema said that people should no longer obey lockdown regulations. He was quoted by News24 saying, From today, we don't listen to what Ramaphosa says about the coronavirus. We don't comply with nonsense he says about the coronavirus until he gives us vaccines and vaccinates our people because he has no intention of vaccinating our people. Who exactly is our people? He went on to say the Russians have offered vaccine, but they refused it. We want our country back. Let us go and reclaim our country from Ramaphosa. If it means death, so be it. If it means prison, we wait with honor because prison for revolutionaries is an honor. Only cowards will be scared of prison. Well, Juju. You already wear the red jumpsuit in Parliament, so welcome to prison. Um, so this man has incited domestic terrorism against cliques. No consequences. His party, with him present, incited arson against commercial farmers in the Free State Northern Cape. No consequences with that domestic terrorism. He has sought race riots with his violent intended effort at Brockenfell on the 20th of November, 2020. No consequences for this man or his party inciting people to violence. He endlessly incites people to violence. Has he gone too far this time? Somehow I doubt it because the ANC is too busy looting and pilfering in the background while this guy stands up and gets a little bit of attention and people lose focus. For his part, Rob Rose says that Malema is courting disaster here. Rob Rose in the Financial Mail. The hypocrisy in Malema's march to save lives. The EFF leader's proclivity to intimidate and bully has never led to consequences. But this time, his opportunistic shape-shifting could cost lives. He's never had a problem with cognitive dissonance. Well, Rob Rose and I are very much in agreement on that. On June 10th, the leader of the EFF demanded that schools be shut to stem the surge in cases since the government wasn't taking the lives of children seriously. We give the minister seven days to close schools. Failure to do so, we'll have to close schools ourselves. Well, you might have thought maybe the country's third largest political party is taking a safety-first approach to the tentacle-like spread of the virus, which saw the country record thousands of cases on Sunday. As if any pronounced by Malema, a man who once famously said, you must never role model a rich person who can't explain how they got rich, is ever that simple. 
Just six days after his school's ultimatum, he did an abrupt U-turn addressing a crowd gathered outside the Eitzig High School in Centurion, telling people not to obey the rules. On the 25th of June, he's calling for a march to the offices of the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, SAPRA, to demand that it license Russia's Sputnik vaccine and China's Sinovac. The EFF is billing this as a march to save lives, <laughs> but it's not. It's a march to gain attention for the failing, flailing, loser party of the economic freedom fighters, which have nothing to offer its followers except violence and rhetoric. <laughs> Business Day's Stuart Theobald pens an article saying that it was the best we could hope for. SAA deal is the best, is the next best for all parties. That is, if the deal which is hammered out behind closed doors can fly at all. Politics, the cliche goes, is the art of the possible, but the Otto von Bismarck quote goes on, the attainable, the art of the next best. In the South African Airways deal, it's very much the next best that we have, if that is the deal is possible at all. Well, I would disagree with Stewart's position on this because it's not the best we can have. The best we could have is liquidation of South African Airways and no more continued injections from the taxpayers. Sell off the brand, sell off the livery, and allow a new private investor to come forward and restore a new South African Airways if you want to keep the name. Nothing to do with the government. Now, if you want to retain a third of the shares for a national sovereign wealth fund for the benefit of South Africans, that's one story. But the best deal is not giving away 51% of the company to a private enterprise staffed by cadres, the former deputy finance minister under Tabo Becky, leading part of this, on a vague promise that they will produce 3.5 billion rand of investment, $258 million. That's a song. South African taxpayers have put oodles, billions of dollars into this airline, and they're getting they're giving up 51% control? No. Remove the government from the equation and then sell off the assets after you liquidate the airline. That's the answer. They have no pilots. They can't fly planes. In Namibia, the capital, Vintok, is soliciting offers for projects to produce 25 megawatts of solar photovoltaic electricity. Beautiful Lutheran church right there in the heart of Vintok. If you've ever been there, it's a lovely spot. Lovely spot. Through the tenure, the administration of Vintok wants to build several projects on a build, own, and operate basis. Now, bear in mind that the mayor of, of Vintok is now a minority party. Uh, Swapo lost control of Vintok in the elections last November. So that's interesting to see that the administration of Namibia's capital city, Vintok, is seeking independent power producers for the deployment of 25 megawatts of photovoltaic capacity on a build, own, and operate basis. So that's private sector. In a request for a qualification document published on its Facebook page, the city government specified the projects will be developed under a public-private partnership. You have until August 19 to pre-qualify for the tender. Namibia as a country relies heavily on South Africa for electricity, but has only 145 megawatts of installed solar power at the end of 2020. So this would be quite an increase, an additional 25 megawatts. And of course, Namibia is famously virtually entirely desert. Lots of sunshine year-round, so that should be good. In Botswana, Kavango Resources confirmed the existence of 12 kilometers of zinc copper vein. Kamango Resources said Monday its soil sampling results for the South Hanzi project in Botswana confirmed that the Marula's copper zinc target extends for at least 12 kilometers. Now, the company which operates 50% of South Hanzi said the results are encouraging and emphasize the potential and scale of the target. Marula is rapidly developing into one of the most exciting drill targets in our entire portfolio, says Chief Executive, Executive Michael Foster. Power Metal Resources owns the remaining 50% of the stake. Shares of Kamango are up 5.4% at 5.85 pence. Zimbabwe's macroeconomic policies are crushing the marketplace. A new decree from President Monagagwa's government to abolish the parallel market and shore up the ailing local dollar could prove counterproductive and drive up inflation again, according to traders in the capital. Before the new policies put in place by Monagagwa's government, the U.S. dollar was trading on the black market at 1 to 120, while the fixed exchange rate was 1 to 85. 
As of May 26th, the government passed a statutory instrument of 127 that amends the country's financial regulations. Its key points are businesses are barred from selling goods and services in exchange rate above the ruling market rate. Buyers must be issued a receipt in Zimbabwean dollars, and buyers should get a discount for paying in foreign currency. This is more stupid Zimbabwe macroeconomic policies. Kenya's announced new restrictions. I alluded to this yesterday for the Lake Basin, but let's take a look at what the U.S. Embassy is advising American nationals in Kenya. The government of Kenya announced further restrictions in response to the worsening pandemic. Restrictions are focused on 13 counties declared hotspot zone, specifically Busia, Vahinga, Kisili, Nyamira, Kakamega, Transnzio, Bungoma, Caricho, Bomet, Siaya, Kisimu, Homa Bay, and Migori. In the 13 counties, public gatherings are suspended until further notice. Curfew from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m., which I announced yesterday. Except for essential emergency services movement uh, from those hotspots, the rest of the country is discouraged, strongly discouraged. Non-food and livestock markets are suspended for 30 days. Employers advise to allow employees to work from home. All physical and worshiping gatherings are suspended for 30 days. Hospitals must restrict visitors to one individual per patient. All funerals must be held within 72 hours after confirmation of death, and no more than 50 people may attend. And weddings may have no more than 30 people attending. Who would want to get married in the midst of this? That's terrible, terrible thought. I wouldn't want to have my wedding and the rest of my life tainted by the memory of this idiocy. Some Kenyans are upbeat as the port of Lamu is now um, making progress and it's open and some people are taking advantage of that. So this report from Shuang Net in China. The inauguration of the first birth of the Lamu port in May has raised hope and confidence in business. During the launch, Kenya President Uhuru Kenyatta said the port will open up northern Kenya to the rest of the world and also provide a convenient gateway for South Sudan and Ethiopia. Lamu, which is about 240 kilometers north of Mombasa, that is, of course, the main port on the Kalama coast, is the country's second commercial port and is only 240 kilometers away from Garissa town. China Communications Construction Company undertook the construction of the first of 32 berths of the 310 billion shillings, or about 3 billion U.S. dollars facility. It can handle large vessels with a carrying capacity ranging from 12,000 20-foot equivalent units to 18,000 TEUs. According to the Kenya Ports Authority, the first three births will be financed by the government, while the remaining 29 will be financed by the private sector. That's all lovely, but by opening up Lamu, you've exposed yourself to Al-Shabaab. Al-Shabaab is very close by in Somalia and has targeted the coastal facilities even as far as Mombasa. Lamu now becomes a lucrative target for them, and hopefully they've put security measures in place to deal with that. Meanwhile, news from Libya, which we seldom cover here on the channel because it's just such a disaster. What are you going to talk about? Well, General Khalifa Haftar has announced that they're closing the border with Algeria, which is a fascinating development in and of itself. Forces loyal to Libya's eastern-based commander, which is not near the border with Algeria, Khalifa Haftar have closed the border with Algeria, which is located to the west. They said on Sunday after major deployments of his forces to the south underscored his continued role despite efforts to unify the country. Haftar's Libyan National Army last week sent troops into the southern city of Seba, which was already allied to eastern forces, then on Saturday to the southern border crossing with Algeria. The armed forces have closed the Libyan-Algerian border and declared it a military zone in which movement is prohibited. The nearly 1,000-kilometer border between Algeria and Libya cuts through mostly uninhabited desert and its few crossings. But his, uh, of course, Haftar was put in the back foot last year after his 14-month offensive against Tripoli collapsed. The World Trade Organization, for its part, has said that South Africa, Senegal, and Rwanda are being considered for vaccine production hubs. My question to the World Trade Organization is, why now? Why not 16 months ago? Why do you sit around and wait until after things are developed so you can steal the intellectual property and copy it? And why weren't these production facilities prepared over the past 16 months? 
you see the lack of vision, strategic vision on the part of these international organizations and African leaders. Africa is working with the European Union and other partners to help create regional vaccine manufacturing hubs in South Africa, Senegal, and Rwanda with Nigeria under consideration. According to the American, she's not Nigerian, can't be a dual national, the American uh, Director General Ngozi Okonja Iwalea. Why? 16 months later. And people will hail this like, ooh, look at Africa. Well, wow, where was Africa for the past 16 months? It's pathetic. Ethiopia has been voting today in an election that excludes 20% of the electorate. 20%. Voting what the government bills is its first free election. Held elections on Monday, billed by Prime Minister as proof of his commitment to democracy, despite the fact that 20% of the country couldn't vote, after decades of repressive rule. Although voting was delayed due to violence in some areas and opposition parties boycotted the polls and others. Not to mention, this poll was supposed to take place last August. Uh, now, activists say gains are threatened and excite the abuses taking place in Tigray. And this, uh, the, between the, the pandemic and the conflicts, that a lot of people aren't able to vote. And this underscores a massive humanitarian crisis unfolding in Tigray, which puts the lives of many people at risk. Now, this twice-delayed election is finally taking place today, and it's good news, but it's far from ideal. And Sweden's government has collapsed, ladies and gentlemen. Prime Minister Stefan Löfven has been ousted in a vote of no confidence. Shocker in quiet, stable Sweden. Sweden's parliament ousted Prime Minister Stefan Löfven in a no-confidence vote, giving the Social Democratic leader a week to resign and hand the Speaker, job of fine, hand the speaker the job of finding a new government or call a snap election. The nationalist Sweden Democrats had seized the chance to call the vote after the formerly communist left party withdrew support for the center-left government over a plan to ease rent controls for new built apartments. Sweden Democratic leader Jimmy Ekesson told Parliament the government was harmful and historically weak. It should never have come into power. The no-confidence motion, which required 175 votes in the 349-seat parliament, was supported by 181 lawmakers. Lofen, who's 63, is the first Swedish prime minister to be ousted by a no-confidence motion put forward by the opposition. After the vote, Lofen said he would hold discussions with other parties and decide whether to resign or call snap elections within a week. A shaky minority coalition with the Green Party has relied on support in Parliament from two small center-right parties and the left parties since a tight election in the European Union member state in 2018. And in Tokyo, as many as 10,000 will be able to attend the events for the Tokyo Olympics. But not you and not me. Not unless you happen to be in Japan right now. Non-Japanese are not invited to the Olympics. So piss off Japan. <laughs> Tokyo will allow up to 10,000 Japanese fans at the venues despite warnings from their health bosses. Overseas spectators are already banned, but organizers said domestic fans could attend, providing crowds did not exceed 50% of the venue's capacity. Fans will not be allowed to shout or speak loudly. <laughs> they will not be allowed to shout or speak loudly. It must wear a face mask at all times. Oh, please. Oh, stop. This is, this is just too surreal. The Olympics begin on July 23rd, and the Paralympics begin a month later in August. Congratulations to the men from Ireland, to the women from France, and from Russia who have qualified through the Rapage tournament in Monaco to join the Olympic Games, where there'll be no international spectators. So none of your family would be present, because the Japanese won't let you in. Congratulations. There's the photograph in Monaco for the three teams that have qualified. The French women on the left, the Irish men in the center, uh, well, it looks like they're a little mixed up. And then the Russian women, then there's some more French women on the other side. So that's an interesting photograph. 
There you go. Ireland won the men's Olympic Repage tournament in Monaco, while France and Russia were victorious in the women's qualifier finals on Sunday to book their tickets to Tokyo 2020. Big accomplishment. I'm really looking forward to the Irish seven men's team. They are very exciting, and it's disappointing that they had to compete through the Repage to get into this tournament, but uh, they're a very exciting seven side. They've really done some amazing things in the HSBC, so we'll see what happens there. Just how good is South African rugby, folks? That's the question a lot of people are asking. Fullness in thinking South African rugby is better. Benetton's dominant Rainbow Cup win, a big reality check for South African teams in Europe. Whoa, shots fired, ladies and gentlemen. South African champion Bulls have been outclassed 35-8 by the Italian club Benetton in the final of the Rainbow Cup in Treviso in a shock upset that has stunned the rugby world. The Italians struck early in the first fight. Yeah, anyway, this the final was the first match for South African club against the international club since the abrupt end of the 2020 rugby, Super Rugby competition. The result shocked South African rugby fans and European fans alike, with few expecting the Italian club to win, let alone put up a massive score in the Bulls. Before the Rainbow Cup, Benetton completed a winless 16-game season in Pro 14, where the Bulls, Stormers, Lions, and Sharks will now compete in the United Rugby Championship. Concerned about ramifications for the new competition, one fan wrote he's slightly worried that the South African sides might not actually strengthen the league as much as we thought. Another commented the Bulls were too easy to defend, too predictable, and dull. An Irish fan wrote the Bulls were lucky that they weren't playing Leinster or this would be a cricket score. Oh, 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 oh that's ugly. That's ugly. <laughs> Another South African commented, if that's a preview of what's to come with the British and Irish Lions, we are screwed. Another felt that international competition is needed after the pandemic has fooled us and thinks South African is better than it is. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Bulls Rainbow Cup loss, a stark warning, arrogant to think you just come to Europe and win, says Hein Schenk. <laughs> Jake White doesn't believe the Bulls and South African rugby should despair over the best team getting overwhelmed in the Rainbow Cup. I think you should be very concerned. So the loss was valuable as team development. Yeah, of course he'll say that. Oh my goodness. Also reminded local rugby desperate needs international competition to stay strong. He admitted this side looked like an inexperienced outfit struggling to be competitive in any facet of the game. Well, indeed it was struggling to be competitive. That is exactly what it was doing. Wow. Uh, heartbreak for Louis Oosthuizen, who loses the U.S. Open by a single stroke to the Spaniard. And that is the news with the headlines in-depth analysis for today, the 21st of June, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to Indaba African News of the Day, folks. We appreciate your patronage here and support for the channel. Be sure to share this with everybody. Let people know about the news program we do each and every day, seven days a week, unless I happen to be traveling. We do do the news program to get you, we do do, we do do the program to get you up to speed on what's happening around Africa and around the world that influences Africa. Thank you so much for your support, folks.